Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are closing out our J-Lo March, our J-March, if you will, with <laughs> not, I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. We we did we did a bunch of J Lo movies this month, and now we're done. It's March Madness for us, but it's just us watching J Lo movies. <laughs> we're and we're really we're going out on a high note. I know that a lot of you wanted us to do Monster in Law, and you know there just weren't enough weeks in the month but we will do it eventually but i feel like what we chose to do instead is still just as amazing it's 2003's geely written and directed by martin breast who is most known for scent of a woman midnight run meet joe black and beverly hills cop Yeah, I mean, he's a man who was directing and making a lot of things, and then he made this, and he was never to be heard from again. Yeah, and that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was really old by the time he made this, though. So, like, I think that part of it, like, uh, is that you know, sometimes when a director makes makes stuff, and it's like it's fresh, and then they get older, and they don't really, and like what they consider to be fresh isn't fresh anymore, but they're uh, their like tastes haven't changed that's kind of what I think of Geely because I kept on thinking about Midnight Run which is a great movie and this is clearly him trying to do Midnight Run again but with Benefer and I don't know why he made that decision but I'm fascinated by it yeah and we Because, you know, this movie, this film has informed culture and really life as we know it so much, we have a fantastic guest here to help us unpack the the writer, the comedian, the all-around wonderful woman, Melissa Roca. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming on here to talk about this incredible art with us. And you recently had your birthday, so everybody say happy birthday to Melissa. Thank you. Yeah. When we post this online, please leave a comment and like send her like little like kissy emojis. Make it sexual. (laughs) So this is a movie that I have seen many times and that Melissa has seen many times, but this is Bronwyn's first time. I my Geely cherry was popped popped open. What? It was broken. happened to my brain when I watched this movie and I don't know yet what it was I kind of think I it's not that I I liked the movie but I kind of like that my brain has fully dissembled like after watching this but this was my first time and of course I knew of this movie I knew of the um the bad reviews I knew of the fact that it's kind of a cultural it, it encapsulates a cultural moment just because it is Benefer. so you know Benefer is like people thought oh this is gonna have really good romantic chemistry because they're in it together and obviously we can dive into whether we think that happened or not (laughs) I don't want to speak for either of you I mean I have 
I have some strong feelings about this. You know, I've seen this movie a couple times and this time is probably the most that I've liked it. Not that it is a good movie, but I think it was easier for me without the whole like snark goggles of being a young cinephile. I mean, I guess I'm still young, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of like area of time, like between really like maybe ages like 13 and 25 where like you're too good for everything (laughs) yeah you're like I discovered that I like art and therefore everything is under the microscope at all times yeah so when I so the first couple times I watched this movie I was really really like this is shit this is terrible and it's not good but there are things about it that I do find really interesting And I can't wait to talk about it. But first, I have to ask Melissa a question. Okay. Do you own this movie? I have it on DVD. And, like, to be honest, you know, I'm I'm 40. I just turned 40. So when I was, like, in my early 20s, late teens and early 20s, I was buying, like, DVDs of anything just to have them. And because also, you know... I don't remember what the internet was like. There definitely wasn't like Netflix or anything, but I liked watching movies a lot and I was expanding my library, if you will. And I definitely watched this movie a few times and I had not seen it since maybe, I don't know, my mid (laughs) twenties, but it was an experience to revisit for sure. <laughs> do you do you feel like there were elements that you noticed that you didn't remember? I remembered a lot. I I definitely remembered a lot. I um I forgot that Jayla was gay in the movie and I forgot like how like tiny Ben Affleck's teeth are. <laughs> and he also does this thing, I don't know. I don't want to Affleck shame, but like you know People, I have, I have a, t- I, I had a dancing accident, so I'm like weird about teeth because I have three fake teeth. I notice whatever, but like, I don't know. He, he's just so like unlikably smarmy in this movie, and like, yeah. I have, I have an explanation for that. Well, not like an <laughs> like a full explanation, but I think I understand why he is this way. So, Geely. <laughs> was the culmination of a whole fucking media moment that was Benifer. I think mm. I have never seen more people pour over photos of a man touching a woman's butt the way that they did with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. You would think that the people had never seen a butt before <laughs> or never seen a hand on a butt before. I think it's mostly just because it was white people watching it mm-hmm. and they were just like, what? Scandalous. Meanwhile, everybody else is just like, yeah, this is just, this just happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're, like they're, are alone, they're having a sexy time alone. You're intruding on them. <laughs> and he's touching her butt. Yeah, that's his girlfriend. I can't believe that that was there was a whole media cycle over this. It's 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 crazy. People were people were wild about it, and it was like it was J Lo, I guess, like breaking into the mainstream. Sure, by mainstream I mean like white media, because before Ben, she was with Diddy, mm-hmm. and so 
getting with Ben that was like directly after Diddy. And then for some reason that really blow up blew up in a way that her relationship with Diddy didn't. And so they decided to make some movies together. One is Jersey Girl, which is very funny because she's JLo's not in that very much, but we'll we'll get to that movie eventually on the podcast. But this was the big one. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning, it's just wild that this was the vehicle that they chose because Geely is about he's like a he's not even like a gangster kind of like a tough guy he's he's the muscle he's the one who beats people up but he's not like in charge of anything and he lives like this solitary existence and then his boss Louie it's Louie Louis 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 yeah Louis yeah, Lewis wants him to kidnap the the disabled younger brother of a federal prosecutor to help his boss, which I, it's like a higher ranking. <laughs> it's a, it's a higher ranking gangster named Starkman, played by Al Pacino, to help get him to help get him off. Like they're hoping that by kidnapping this getting Geely to kidnap this guy is going to make them drop the charges which like later on when when Pacino does show up in his like one scene he points out how stupid that is which means that <laughs> it wasn't even his idea to do it in the first place it was Lewis that was one of the funniest things to me was that it wasn't even his plan. So I'm like, so Lewis is just out here winging it with, with we're supposed to believe that this like vague mafia guy has made it alive this long. And these are his ideas. His ideas are like very much what's going to get everybody put in jail <laughs> or if they're alive. Right. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just like kidnap the brother of this prosecutor. Nothing could go wrong. This will definitely work. And having Geely do it when Geely is like kind of just an errand guy. That's my impression of him. It just feels like he's muscle. Yeah. Yeah, he he absolutely is muscle because then they have to bring in because then Lewis Lewis tasks him with this job and then decides he doesn't trust him, which is weird because he hasn't done anything wrong at that point. Um I guess things just weren't happening as fast as Lewis wanted it. So he brings in JLo who is a contractor but it's very vague about what she does it's very vague about what she can do can she kill people can she whoop people's asses it remains to be seen because all we really see her do is read and do yoga but yeah like, I don't... There's, there's, this, there's this really interesting dynamic in this movie where JLo will I mean there's like a scene where JLo and Ben Affleck and Justin Bartman, who is playing Justin Barta, who is playing the the kid. I think he's supposed to be a teenager that they kidnapped. Uh, it's unclear whether he's supposed to be a teenager or actually an adult, but either way, it's a kidnapping. They're like in public on their way somewhere, and there's a bunch of teens listening to music loudly. And Ben is like, "Hey, can you turn it down?" And they're like, you know, fuck you, old man, like, blah, blah, blah. And then JLo's like, I'll handle it. And she goes up to them and she, like, <laughs> describes. Gives one of the best monologues. In Incredible. I will say that monologue. It's 
it's art she's like describing how she would liquefy one of their eyes and like telling them but very calmly like it's not it's it's a good threat because she's not getting angry she's just like yeah and I would do this you know or or this is what I learned and then also she's just ending it she's bookending it by telling them that they need to form people skills and then at the end to to Ben Affleck he's like that was bullshit wasn't it and she was like "Mm." and there's kind of this thread in the movie with JLo where like she'll talk about like how she could hurt someone and then Ben Affleck will be like can you and she's like I don't know and we never really know we don't know if JLo has been killing people this whole time, yeah. if she's been fighting people, I, I assume yes, because I feel like I feel like she would be a secret weapon, right? Because of gendered stereotypes, people would just assume, oh, she's not dangerous and she would like take him down. But the movie actually never gives us an answer, which is kind of a big thing to clarify her actual role in the crime pyramid. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, um, <laughs> you know, I had an issue with the monologues in this movie. Just in general, because it felt like everyone was just giving a monologue after monologue after monologue. And it felt like, I don't know, like every monologue was supposed to be like the like the the big one. And JLo's teen like like turn off the radio teen monologue came pretty early. And so it was good. But then everyone just kept having more monologues did you guys feel that i mean like i definitely felt like jayla was supposed to be like some sort of like secret weapon because she came on after and the way that she also just sort of like snuck into his apartment and was just like hey can i use your phone for my like phone bill or something and just came up came in very very sneaky just felt like like a smooth move but yeah also throughout the movie she is reading a book called being peace but she never she never she never gets that far because i looked at how thick i I looked where she would open the book and it was always around the same spot (laughs) and it's it's basically like it's about like it's a starter book for like Buddhism because I kept on looking at it just like what is that um so I guess that the book was supposed to be like she's dangerous but she's also very zen (laughs) is what the book because she really is like the way that she delivers that monologue to the kids she does it so calmly Every time that she, she rarely ever gets angry. She rarely ever raises her voice. And I think that that's like the movie's way of being like, that's how you know that she's actually dangerous because here comes Geely, who's just like talking on the shit. Like, oh my God. Like when he was like, I, he called himself like a pimp Mac daddy, like gangsters gangster. It was it's like you could tell that an old man wrote it when he was talking (laughs) but then there were but then there were parts that i couldn't believe that an old man wrote like j-lo does this monologue while doing yoga which reminds me of when she was doing yoga and marry me i just think that she likes to do yoga in movies i I noticed that too she's like might as well She's doing yoga and she is basically, it's just like a beautiful monologue of her explaining to Ben Affleck why she likes to fuck women and not just why, but also like, like showing him like, 
the same reason I fuck women is the same reason why you want to fuck me, which like, it seems like really obvious, but it's clear that he didn't really understand it until she like broke it down for him. And she does this whole thing, like almost like in a whisper and she's just like stretching. And it's just really one of the hottest things I've ever seen. And then the look on his face afterwards where he, like he fully gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That monologue Definitely. So I definitely agree that this movie is trying to one up itself with the monologues because that monologue was like really heightened. And I love that monologue. I thought it was great. (laughs) But also, also, it was so funny to block all of the the yoga poses while she's talking about like cunnilingus, you know, it was like, okay, you know what you're doing. But even even before that monologue, after she calls out the teens, she gives a whole monologue where she quotes the art of war. And she's talking about how Sun Tzu talks about how when you get angry, you give your opponent the upper hand. And that's why she doesn't Mm -hmm. show her anger or react in anger. And so it's like another monologue that, you know, it's supposed to be like a quoted monologue. And honestly, I really feel like this movie was trying to be Tarantino at moments. I mean, this movie obviously doesn't, right? Like it doesn't know what it's doing tonally. And that's one of the big problems, but it does feel like it's trying to do that we have a lot of action and there's crime, but also there's these philosophical discussions in a Tarantino way. And obviously it doesn't come across that way, but yeah, that monologue was really funny. Also I'm looking, actually he was only 50 when this was made. So he wasn't old. He's 70 now. Whoa. So I feel like 50 is not old. Wow. No. Wow. Yeah. I felt, for some reason, I just felt that he was much older. I mean, midnight, I would think that midnight run would really age him so he might i what year did midnight run come out like how- because midnight yeah because midnight run is such like in like a like an old dude movie i mean i love it but i but i love a lot of old dude movies so like <laughs> yeah because he was born in 51 and the, and julie came out in 2003 right so he would he was like 52 or so um, midnight Ru- well, midnight run was 88 so that's why <laughs> oh so he's just he just got old man sensibilities which I mean, same. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> Who among us is there to judge that? But it also yeah. makes me sad that he stopped making things after this because it's like twenty years. Where I'm not, I'm not saying that this movie was good and he should have like immediately made another one. But it's sad that he just stopped having a career. I mean, like he has, you know, Midnight Run, Beverly Hills Cop, Scent of a Woman, which I heard is bad, but like. But she that's Pacino got the Oscar for it, so it's always gonna be in history for that, even though like Sense of a Woman is kind of a, a joke to like Oscar fans now. Cause it was just like, why did Pacino get it for that? And I just keep on thinking it could have been so much worse. He could have gotten it for like Devil's Advocate. Oh, I just God, feel like we no. should just like <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's it's interesting. This is this is the second Ben Affleck movie where he is in love with a lesbian woman who realizes that she's that she's kind of bisexual but would prefer to be with would prefer to be with women in general which like i get like it's it's interesting like thinking about chasing amy watching this me as the resident chasing amy defender i love it a movie can't be biphobic if it came out during a time when people literally didn't believe that bi people existed. Mm. That's just called being in the era that it was made. What do people expect? <laughs> uh, I, this I, really I, bothers me. No, I, I was born. I also uh, like I was, chasing Amy, so. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I was born in 1992. The movie came out in 1997. Even like, and I didn't watch it probably until like 2000, but even in 2000, when I watched it for the first time, I thought, what is a bisexual person? People weren't talking about it. People weren't acknowledging it. Why are people so ahistorical about this? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I, I think that... It, the ch- chasing Amy, I was thinking about it the whole time because, like, essentially, like, you know, by the end, you realize that Alyssa, who is the titular Amy, it's 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 Melissa. It you'll it'll make sense if you watch the movie. Alyssa, when Alyssa, did I say Melissa? Then I said Alyssa. Anyway, when <laughs> when the woman when, <laughs> when the when the woman, you know, she falls in love with the guy played by Ben Affleck. And all of that. But then in the end, they realize that they can't be together. And so much of why they can't be together is not because she's a lesbian. It's clear that she's bisexual. But it's also clear that, like, societally, in the way that he was trained and the way that this man acts, she can't put up with that shit. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not, like, it's not that she can't be with men. It's that she does not want to. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand that girl and I feel like here he's in he's a similar kind of guy where he's just very ignorant and and JLo in this like is clearly attracted to him but she knows that he's ignorant and she knows that whatever they have together is kind of unsustainable Mm -hmm. and so yeah I just felt like a lot of parallels there and I want to like really just like ask Ben what is up with you no I (laughs) I noticed yeah, I noticed that too because like I watched Chasing Amy really recently, so it was very fresh in my mind. And so I was drawing the parallels and thinking about the ways that Chasing Amy tackled this part of the plot because one of the problems with Geely is that it has like five plots that don't feel centered. <laughs> like I yeah. feel like Justin Barta's character is in his own movie, like he's in scenes alone half the time. <laughs> but- yeah. Right? And then like Al Pacino's in one scene and he's supposed to be the whole reason for everything happening. It it just feels like this movie is trying to do too much. And Al Pacino, just like, his scene just feels like he owed Martin a favor. And he was like, well, I'm in town. This is what I'm wearing. Sure. Come to my house. I'll do a scene. What's it about? Okay. Let's go. Action. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you got me an Oscar, so I guess if you ask me to be in a movie, I'm going to show up, you know? One take. <laughs> Doing one take and that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an incredible scene. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so good in it. And when J-Lo finally does talk after his monologue, she really holds her own with Al Pacino in a way that just reminds me that there's so much interesting work J-Lo could be doing. And I mean, mm-hmm. she's done a lot of interesting work, but she could have done more. Like she, I always just feel like she's just short of really, really hitting her potential. Like, especially if you watch something like Out of Sight. It's like, it, more roles for her, like Out of Sight. She is the best part of this movie though. Oh <laughs> she's yeah. Like, yeah. She's yes. really incredible in this oh in God. a way that Ben isn't okay so my so my theory for why ben is so annoying in this movie is that he is trying to do his best de niro Mm. and failing Mm -hmm. i really yeah because i was i mean i I was like there's this 
again, this is another movie. So J-Lo herself isn't Italian, but this is another in the vaguely Italian people series of J-Lo movies. <laughs> I just think it's a funny niche genre. I don't have any like strong feelings about it. I just think it's funny, especially because this was a time where a lot of movies had people that were just supposed to be Italian. Um <laughs> And anyways, I was trying to figure out who Ben Affleck was imitating with this character. I was like, this is such a character that he's trying to be and it doesn't feel like he's actually embodying it. And I can see De Niro. I can definitely see De Niro. I don't think that he's cast right for this. I mean, obviously he was with JLo at this time, so they made the movie together. So I get that they're going to cast him, but he doesn't, this character doesn't work for him. They could have tweaked it maybe. I mean, the, the, the script needs a lot of, cutting down it doesn't need a to be two of, hours a lot of cutting down and like i will watch anything i will watch 99.9 percent .9 of anything it's very rare that i you know don't finish a movie i mean i fin i finished this obviously but like it was so long yes um, and like i feel too with like ben if if there had been any kind of, like, real redemption, maybe his, like, weird impression of De Niro might have worked. But I don't know. Like, I... Yeah, the script is weird. <laughs> He's just, like, at the beach, like, okay, I'm changed. Yeah, like, it's it's weird because at times you forget that there's a whole kidnapping plot like that's a pretty big plot to forget like the whole reason that JLo and Ben Affleck are even hanging out together is because they're both kidnapping Justin Barta and making sure that like they can use him to extort his brother right to extort the proper sentencing from his brother but like there's so little time actually spent on that you just have all these scenes of them like flirting and discussing stuff you don't even know where Justin is I'm like if Justin wanted to get away from him then they he could have the movie and, doesn't seem to understand that somebody who's disabled also is going to know that they're not at home and like do something about it or ask questions. Like, it, it, I don't, I mean, there's a lot to unpack yeah. with the weird ableism in this movie, but it just feels like the movie should have picked a center and it tried mm -hmm. to pick the center on the love story. But then the love story itself is like a lesbian character who is actually bisexual and prefers women with like Ben Affleck trying to beat Robert De Niro and then they're not really <laughs> going to end up together. It's just like, wow, a lot needs to be come through. Yeah, I've been trying to avoid Dustin Bartha because he, I mean, the world also really avoids <laughs> Dustin Bartha. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> was he, Whatever. Was he the hangover hang. guy? Yes, he's the hangover okay, guy. He's the, the guy that they have in. to find who's like yeah. on the roof and like, yeah, that's him. He's in the National Treasure National Treasure movies. He's in the good fight. He's fine. Don't worry about Justin Bartha. <laughs> I just personally think that like he was a wild choice for this. I mean, this character shouldn't exist. But if you were going to do this character, I do not know why he would be the one to pick. He doesn't have the range. Like, he's just like, you know, he's just like one of those like white boys, kind of like, you know, like Jesse Bradford, kind of like mm. that arena of dude, like that guy from How to Make It in America. Well, that guy has a little bit more juice. That guy's a little bit more flavor, but like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just a guy. <laughs> 
and he is playing this mentally challenged um teenager young man i'm not sure and his whole thing is that he likes sunflower seeds he likes old school rap Mm -hmm. and he wants to go to the baywatch Mm -hmm. because he doesn't understand that baywatch is a television show and that where he really wants to go is the beach now in 2003 i don't really understand this that's the other reason why i thought the that the guy had to be old to make this movie because baywatch by 2003 baywatch is not a thing and also by 2003 no one is talking about it i was curious about that because the the people i was watching it with they were like baywatch what year was this yeah and it would have been different if the movie had just been like oh i like he watches reruns of baywatch but there's a whole plot where at the end he goes to a live shooting at Baywatch. He he basically like sneaks on as an extra. So it I'm like, is this movie supposed to be set 10 years earlier and it just never tells us? Or is that not supposed to matter? Again, I feel like this, a lot happening. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the script must have been written in the 90s or the movie takes place in the 90s. Like the cell phone still, like that could, that could be like late 90s if they really you know had their shit together but i don't really know because like it's not just that it's just like justin bartha keeps on rapping like he keeps on saying that it's old school but it's not it's like 90s (laughs) he's like he's like doing like he's rapping ll cool j sir mix a lot all of that is early 90s so it's like it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really great point. Maybe this was just written in the 90s and they just he just didn't update the references. That's something I think a lot about with script writing is if it's not made within like three, I mean, especially now, trends cycle so much quicker. If it's not made pretty soon, you have to update all the references. Yeah, I, I don't know if this was like maybe like an unwanted script and then I... Man, we really just, I would, maybe after this, I do a deep dive on just like how this came to be. Somebody has had to have done it. I probably should have read it beforehand, but I was, you know, I was busy. And this movie is, um... I mean, you did spend two hours of your life with this movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost twice as long as some of the other movies we cover. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's, it's interesting because the plot is like messy but not a lot happens they just have to watch justin bartha they argue and you know the big uh, one of the big reveals is that geely is actually really unhappy and isolated and also doesn't own any books in his house so like when justin bartha needs to sleep he needs to be read to and so we see two scenes of Ben reading for him. Once off a Tabasco bottle. The other time he reads, it's off like the Charmin container. Meanwhile, JLo's reading a whole ass and book, book. And she never gives him the book to read. To <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, does he know how to read? Like what like people give you books you you know like even if you don't like reading like lots of people don't like reading even if you don't like reading you're gonna have a book somewhere there's gonna be a book like does he actively get rid of them like what it 
Like, can't you she, go buy one? Like, if you know how to read, then you could go buy one to read to Justin. I I don't know. <laughs> I know I'm being nitpicky on something that's supposed to be, like, quirky in the movie, but I was just like, what? I mean, it was really, it was really funny, too, because, like, the only other time I've seen, like, somebody just read off a bottle or something was, like, recently in Power of the Dog. <laughs> when there's a scene where, like, Jesse Plemons is trying to woo Kirsten Dunst and he just, like, picks up a sauce and, like, reads the back of the label and it's, like, it's adorable when he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe maybe that was um, actually it, it, this inspired that scene. That was the oh, really yeah. realized version of this dynamic. Jane Campion, a real Geely. She's fan. a Geely head. I think it's also really easy to be nitpicky on something like that when there's like so much of nothing going on. Yes, because you're sort of like grasping, like what can I like actually pay attention to? That's not just another monologue of something. That's a really good point. I think I think that's really true because I did find myself, I mean, obviously on the podcast we're, you know, like we're going through the movie, so we're going to nitpick mm-hmm. some, but I found myself nitpicking in a way I don't normally. And I think it's because there so much is just monologues. It's just, it's not even conversation. It's just people talking at each other. It's like, you, you know, Jayla goes on a monologue about how boys aren't allowed to cry and she knows that you know, Ben Affleck is sad and that's why he's so angry. And then we don't even get his response until like six scenes later. So it's not a conversation. It's a monologue. And then later he's like, hey, by the way, remember a week ago? Yeah, you're right. I am sad. (laughs) It's like how all the conversations in this movie between them go is like a monologue. And then like five scenes later, the other one's like, by the way, I have a response monologue now. He's like, I'm sad. And of course, his response monologue is very incelly because he's just like, I'm really angry. There's this hot lesbian, aka you, that won't fuck me. Like, he's so unlikable. Like, he's like, it's just so infuriating that you're not here to fuck me. And of course, because it's written by a man who apparently doesn't seem to, it's not that this character can't be that way, but it's the way that JLo's character is also just like, yeah, like she's just kind of looking at him empathetically, like, oh, that must be hard. But I also think her character maybe was just like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> All right, yeah, bro. In, in, in her line of business, she is uh, bombarded with the, the sullen muscle, mob muscle. And, you know, she spent a lot of time with guys like this. And eventually at some point she'll be like, oh, okay, it's turkey time. <laughs> oh, man, it's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> One of the best moments in film. I was that's been etched into my brain for so long. It was it actually felt like really just like transcendent to hear her say it again. Did you feel like it's like it's like you know witnessing the burning bush for yourself? It's beautiful. It was it was a biblical moment in real life. Like you, you had arrived home, you were like. Yes, the gates of heaven have opened, and JLo is now saying it's turkey time, gobble, gobble. 
it's uh, yeah uh, so much nothing happened oh like her her girlfriend shows up oh i almost forgot oh god yeah, yeah. her girlfriend oh, shows up god. and it also reminds me of the girl and chasing amy where the where Alyssa just like makes out with her at the club and then we never see her again <laughs> i just feel like it's the same girl okay right okay because okay so the girlfriend character comes and she's like a stereotype where it's like oh my gosh this lesbian who is so like unstable like she like cuts herself in front of them in the kitchen and is like threatening to like beat up Ben Affleck and we don't know anything about their relationship and Jayla's just like oh you need to get out and and she's like free she's like you're with a man and he and and the weirdest part is JLo and Ben Affleck have not fucked at this point they totally aren't together and she never actually clarifies that she's never like no, we're not sleeping together. We're working together. She's just like, go away. And it's not that she needs to explain herself to her ex, but it was weird to me that she wasn't just like, no, we're on assignment, you know, or like, like, yeah. Instead, she kind of let it look like they were together. And then her ex is just like zero to a hundred. And we have no context. Like she's such a cartoon character. And then it ends with her at the hospital because she bled out in the kitchen like like and and of course the punchline is like look at how crazy she is and i'm like what like what the fuck just (laughs) what like is she okay also what was her relationship with jayla like did jayla ghost her and you know is she like a, a stalker i mean it's implied but we don't actually ever find anything out i was so bummed out there wasn't a monologue explaining why that happened it was just like <laughs> by the way jayla's character is lesbian and her ex crazy good thing she's with this guy who doesn't believe women can be gay <laughs> he's like but what about my dick <laughs> I do, I do like what I do like Ben Affleck after the turkey time thing because he was kind of like uh, the sort of like learning curve, just kind of trying to get out of having to like you know eat her pussy like so so well you know, and he was just like um I don't know maybe I shouldn't have like said anything. <laughs> now I actually have to do it. <laughs> yeah, like what's he actually when he finally. <laughs> He finally gets a chance to have sex with her and he's like oh wait you wanted me to actually pleasure you oh shit yeah i get why you're into women <laughs> like he's like immediately like yeah women would probably be better at actually making you orgasm <laughs> like incredible no notes <laughs> she oh man their whole thing i will because my issue so much with larry Healy, which is such a funny name um with Larry is that okay he's sad he lives an isolated existence why what happened don't you think yeah. it would be relevant considering that the movie is named after him yeah <laughs> to tell us because the only thing he says he's sad about when he's talking to her is about her and I'm like well that doesn't make sense because you were sad when he met her and I thought that his mom I thought because we get a scene with his mom where he like gives her a shot we don't know what for but uh, a shot of medicine and I thought that there was going to be more of a plot about his mom and his family um we know that like his dad isn't around but we like really don't get anything actual and so I was like so we meet his mom 
who's awesome like so funny we love her oh my god she was like she's so great Lainey Kazan she she asked him to come over to like give her and it like a shot which I don't know what that is is that like a they don't really say what the shot is what's it what do y'all think it was? I don't know. Well, honestly, I saw a butt shot and I was like, is someone getting testosterone? And then I was like, and then it was her and it seemed to be some sort of, I don't know. I just assumed it was like somebody transitioning. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't think nope. she's transitioning. I think this is just like some medicine she's getting in her ass. I don't know. I don't know. I Maybe mean, it's I've like menopause like, related. I've heard of like B12 in your butt. Is yeah. That- but yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe it's B12. Maybe it's her own. Maybe it is like a hormone replacement therapy for menopause or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's the thing that makes the most sense to me. But I also feel like, I mean, you know, as someone who re- who does not ask for help unless I absolutely have to, I was like thinking about that because he was like, I can't just be driving here to like do this for you if a doctor's not around or whatever. I was like, I don't think I would have had, I would have that hard of a time giving myself a shot in my butt no like you oh, can reach own. your butt like yeah. she's mobile she can reach her butt yeah you can use the so, mirror see nitpicking about things that <laughs> but because the movie doesn't give us, but like doesn't give us any actual context for their relationship beyond this scene so we're just like trying to figure out something about it it just yeah, starts I do. all these pathways that it doesn't like complete I love her talking to J-Lo because it's like it's the two best characters in the movie having an exchange and they seem to understand each other really deeply mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way that I thought was really like beautiful. I just wanted more of them. Like you could tell she was just like this could this could be my daughter-in-law and she gets so excited and <laughs> J-Lo gets kind of excited even though J-Lo doesn't isn't really sure if she wants him. But it's just it's just nice. And also she's the only person who's like calm about her being a lesbian. But she's also just like, you know, you know, sexuality is fluid is essentially <laughs> what she said. Yeah, they have the best exchange. Like Lainey Kazan is just like, oh, oh yeah, okay. She's like, yeah, totally. And then she's kind of like, yeah, you've been with men before, right? And she's kind of like making fun of men. And then she like turns to Ben Affleck at one point and is like, listen, before I had you, I was fun, you know? And then I, she kind of winks at Shayla, and I'm like, okay, a movie that's just this character. Like, there, please, oh day. God. Oh, man, I wish. I would love it to be just her. It's great. And did, I don't remember, did did Ben Affleck's mom ask about Justin Barta at all? Like, No, she, she, he, he just, need, he needed to use the bathroom because right. they didn't want to come in and then he just goes and she's just like oh it's your friend (laughs) he's also yeah she's she's great too because she's also casual about the fact that he's obviously disabled but she's the only person who just like treats him like a regular human being yeah like a laundry list of questions and like comments yeah she's like completely calm but it is funny because it's like, again, they are literally kidnapping him. And there's like never one point where they almost get caught. Like there's one scene, of course, where Christopher Walken comes in and like, you know, they have 
Justin hidden, but like Justin doesn't even try to like come out. Like there's so many moments where they could have almost gotten caught for being ki- for kidnapping, and the movie just doesn't even do that. And I'm like, that's like a big plot. Like that's a whole movie in itself is the kidnapping, and the movie's just like, eh, we'll just have Justin like go be alone again. <laughs> yeah, and like and just like not ever presenting really being like scared or wondering what the new place that he's in or the other new place he's in who is this lady (laughs) uh doesn't seem to be asking too many questions he just wants to listen to his hip-hop and he wants to do his little rapping he like does like a whole like he he does a few like LL Cool J bars, yeah. <laughs> and it's just and I don't even know. It just makes me wonder too because we never meet the prosecutor. We never meet yeah. his older brother, and I'm just like, what is his older brother like? Do they just like listen to like hip hop together? Like what what's that relationship? We don't even know. We don't even see a picture of this man. Incredibly weird to not to have one scene with Al Pacino's character, who again is the reason for the kidnapping, the reason that Ben Affleck and JLo meet, and then no scenes with the prosecutor, who again is the brother of the person they kidnapped. It's just like what? Yeah, not a single like, you know, prosecutor brother calling the care facility that his brother has been taken from and is just gone you know like there's no like oh he's gone for like two or three days did anyone bother telling him that he's gone (laughs) so wild maybe that's why he hasn't tried to get him back because he doesn't know (laughs) he's been kidnapped (laughs) yeah it's absolutely wild like i just I feel like there are three different movies in this movie, <laughs> at least, right? One is just Ben Affleck and J-Lo, like, having a rom-com slash Chasing Amy kind of movie. Another is the actual, like, crime movie with the kidnapping. You know, just, like, all of those logistics where we actually meet Pacino. We actually meet the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. All of that. And then, like, another one would just be, like, the Ben Affleck sad boy movie where it's, like, his family and why is he sad? Maybe J-Lo could also be in that one, but it would just be a different angle. But yeah, there was also a moment, too, where, like, I forget where it happened, but Ben Affleck got, like, kind of defensive about, you know, something about his apartment. He was just, like, he's, like, I'm not leaving my home. They can't make me leave my home or something. And there was a moment where it was, like, oh, we're going to find out why there's going to be something. There's going to be a reason why he's this. Okay. No. Oh, all right. Well, next. <laughs> no, there, there are no reasons for anything. Nothing. <laughs> and also just him. Ha- it's not that I don't believe that a gangster can't have any friends. It's just that like, in media like when we think of them they always are surrounded by these guys and all he has is just lewis calling him on the phone calling him an idiot and i'm just like really you have no boys not a single boy you know guys night nothing i kind of like i <laughs> go ahead sorry i kind of love the idea of geely being such a bad hang he doesn't even have crime <laughs> friends like they're just like this guy's Sucks. like he's such a sad boy that they're like nah don't invite him to the meet to the meetup we're not he's not at the happy hour and he's just like whining to j-lo oh no yeah he he's not invited to like the the scuba diving front shop or like whatever like 
front store, you know, exactly that, that all the other guys get to hang out at. <laughs> he doesn't get to play poker at like the chandelier shop or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also like, I really felt like this movie was too bright color wise. And I know mm. that there's like a whole, you know, there's the whole Baywatch thing, but because it was trying to be, in my opinion, crime-esque and Tarantino-esque, it just felt like the color editing was weird. Like, it looked like a Disney Channel original movie, the lighting. <laughs> and I felt like a lot of the scenes that it wanted to be really, like, kind of atmospheric didn't work for me because of the way it was colored and shot. I was informed by what... I watched this movie with my friend Jordan, who is a film editor... Hi, Jordan. Um, Jordan of Jordan and Lizzie. And he told me that the director of photography, his name is Martin Elsk something. But it was the same person who did Punch Drunk Love. Oh, wow. So like if you watch it and you know that, you're like, oh, wow, that does look like Punch Drunk Love. So I don't know, like that's just more like information no that's really interesting because i really love the way that punch drunk love is shot so maybe i'm just misattributing the shooting style because the script doesn't work but i just you know like it's like it doesn't really matter how yeah i just feel like nothing totally fits so it's not even that it's shot badly it just doesn't feel like a fit but that's really fascinating that that he shot punch drunk love and i apologize for not getting this man's name right (laughs) that's okay I think if he listens you know we we appreciate you sir (laughs) yeah I okay on a scale from one to five how would we rate their chemistry I think maybe for me I'm gonna say like a two just because it does kind of feel like they're not really talking to each other that much but since they're doing so many monologues in the same room, but it's not really a conversation. So yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I definitely think two, 2.5. And I think some of it is just the fact that you know that they're fucking off screen. So like a little bit of that kind of transcends the, the actual movie. Otherwise, honestly, if it was just the movie itself, I would give it like 1.5 out of 5. Yeah. You know? Zero. It's, it's rough. Zero. And it's not to say that neither of them bring anything to the movie. It's just the way it all falls together. Yeah. And then also it's funny to watch Gili with people who've never seen it before. Cause they're like, everyone kind of assumes that Gili is JLo. Right. And I was pleasantly reminded that it was Ben Affleck, which I had forgotten. <laughs> and, this and, and that his full name is Larry Gili, which is so fun. <laughs> Gili like really. Gili like really. Another another fantastic line. And then also like Lewis's great like delivery of just like, oh yeah, Gili like really. Well, why don't you do this? You know, which is like a sort of like just like a mean mobster thing to do. Like, okay, you know. Yeah, your stupid you fucking know, like- name that rhymes with another stupid <laughs> fucking word. <laughs> Fucking loser. Go cut his thumb off. <laughs> yeah, go go give me a thumb. 
Should we mention the thumb? I mean, I, like, I don't even... I mean, they... I mean, it's like a character moment, really, more than anything. Because it's like... Oh, Lewis is just like, you've got to cut off that kid's thumb and then mail it to his brother. And both J-Lo and Ben are just like, nah! No! We're good. Do they send another thumb? Yeah, they go to the hospital and cut off someone's thumb. (laughs) (laughs) And then then Pacino's when he's mad about it. They just like <sighs> they just like go to like a post office, not post office, but like a postal service, and just like mail it at like a FedEx. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, like in a napkin and in like a regular paper envelope, and just like okay. And then of course <laughs> the cashier is someone that J Lo has had sex with or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, like she's like giving J Lo the eyes, and then Ben Affleck's like a friend of yours, and J Lo's like close and personal. <laughs> which uh yeah love that but yeah it's amazing that they, they go to a mailing place to mail a body part again do these mob people not have any sort of underground system for this what the fuck is this they're going to kinko's to mail a thumb also i love that like again al pacino's so pissed at them when they finally come across al pacino he's like you know that thumbs have fingerprints, right? Like, we know it's not the right <laughs> thumb. Like, you're sending it to a federal prosecutor. They're going to figure it out. Like, I just, I love, I love the incompetence in this yeah. movie. And I also love that Al Pacino's character feels meta because it also feels like Al Pacino is yelling in the movie. Like, his character is saying these lines, but he's also just like, what the hell is going on in this movie? Yeah. Very, very Al Pacino. I did like his outfit a lot. He seemed to be very relaxed. Oh, he looked—he looked hot. He was I was like, a little hey. ponytail. He had a little. Oh ponytail. yeah, he was a little hottie patat, hottie yeah. patati, <laughs> as my mom would say, a little hottie patati. <laughs> what What do we like? What would we all recommend people watch instead of Shili? G- like mm-hmm. an antidote to it. It could be a J Lo antidote or a non J Lo antidote. I mean, we've already mentioned Chasing Amy if you're looking for something that has the lesbian character who's actually bisexual with, like, the bewildered Ben Affleck. I mean, I, I'm someone, I love J-Lo, you know, uh, for whatever that makes me. Um, it makes you the perfect guest. <laughs> That's one of the many things. <laughs> I think, like, I would, I would watch Hustlers you know yeah get like j-lo is a mob boss in that movie i saw it four times in the theaters with four different people like i loved it like i thought she was great you know like she really was just amazing and i would you know i i believed her as like a mob boss you know yes I believe it really does show movie. her full power. Yeah. And like the the parts in that movie where like the main character, I forgot her name, but she wants to sort of make J-Lo proud and get like her like validation and stuff. Oh, Constance Wu's yeah. character. And like, yeah, I was just like, like she was so magnetic in that movie that like these people were just like, like, she, like, I, like, I just want to make her like me. You know, which like, like same. I want Jayla to like so me. relatable. Like, so oh my god, if relatable. I met her, I would be so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you guys watch Marry Me? 
Oh yeah, we did. We we did it on the pod. It's our first it. episode of this month. Oh nice. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I I watched it at uh, DGA and the director was there, and I had oh no idea that it was filmed pre twenty twenty. It was filmed in like twenty nineteen or something. Which, really? Which made that movie feel so crazy to me um because i'd watched so many like i mean i watched it and you know i am i am having that thing where i'm just like how are there so many people where are all their masks yeah. you know but since it was shot in 2019 one of the the last fun things before the pandemic that's a reason it kind of looks like that you know I mean, that's, that's something I does. thought about was how many people were in the scene, like the concert scenes. I was like, mm-hmm. even with testing, there's no safe way to shoot that kind yeah. of scene. So it makes a lot of sense that that was shot in 2019 because the production, like all the rules around shooting, I can't imagine them shooting that right now. Like, and, not at least really, and she and JLo had been trying to get this movie made for like eight or nine years or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, we talked a lot about how it was obvious that J-Lo loved this movie. Like, and she, like, Owen Wilson, it felt like he was, like, kind of transported there and wasn't sure what was happening. But J-Lo was just like, (laughs) I am fully here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Owen Wilson's apartment in that movie? Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I'm like, is this Cobble Hill, Carol Gardens? <laughs> yeah. I was like, like I just so need beautiful. an address real quick so I can go stop by, you know? <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, just yeah. want to go say hi. I would say watch Hustlers if you're looking for some mob, mob-like crime and whatever, and a really magnetic performance by Jennifer Lopez. Yes. Yes. Miss Lopez. We love her. And this is the end of our J-Lo month. So we hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did. We've had, we spent so much time with J-Lo and, and the fantastic thing I think is, that's it. Yeah. Like we, at some point we'll probably get to hang out with her again. Cause there's more, you know, J-Lo. Yeah. Movies. We still, we still have to do monster in law and definitely what to expect when you're expecting. Yeah. So there's, there's at least two more we're going to do. I think like, I will say, I think her performance in monster in law, she does a really good job of her, like the way that she's does physical comedy. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to look her, out for her that. Physical comedy in that movie is real like quirky and just like, like, like hamming it up, you know, it's, but it's really fun. I love, I mean, I love good physical comedy. I think it's underrated, especially now. And before I forget, Mal, where can our listeners find you? Oh, oh, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at Mel Side Ponytail. Love it. Love it. All one word. <laughs> well, dear, beautiful listeners, thank you for hanging out with us during JLo month. Thank you for hanging out with us during Geely Day. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Geely Day. I hope you're drinking water. If you want to leave us nice reviews, you can. We love that. If you don't, that's fine. It's your life. If you want to join the Patreon, we have bonus episodes about the OC, How I Met Your Mother, young adult movies, erotic thrillers. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Melissa Rocha. <laughs> Bye. 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 Let's dump this drug.